Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we embrace and explore what it means to live out the feminine genius in our everyday, daily lives as Catholic women. My name is Chloe Langer, and today we're having a conversation about conversion and reversion to the Catholic faith. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Mallory Smythe, and we are talking about her journey back to Catholicism. But also, we're going to be talking about some of the big elephant-in-the-room topics that come up when you share about your Catholic faith with people who've left the Catholic Church. Or honestly, they could even be topics that you struggle with yourself when it comes to living in today's world as a Catholic woman. I know that I've wrestled with many of the topics that Mallory writes about and that her and I cover in today's episode. One thing that I will be forever grateful to my parents for is that when I was exploring and learning more about Catholicism as a young adult, they never answered any of my questions with a dismissive, because that's just how it is, or because I said so. Instead, they always encouraged me to not only ask hard questions, but to be confident in the fact that I was not the only one, or the first one, to ask that question, and that truth and an answer was out there. If you're wrestling with those big questions about the church, if you've struggled to feel at home in the church, if you have one foot out the door, or if you've left the Catholic faith entirely, sister, this letter's for you. This episode of Letters to Women is sponsored by my brand new book, Letters to Women, Embracing the Feminine Genius in Everyday Life, which is a book published by Tan Books. If you love the conversations that you find on this podcast, I want to invite you to pre-order the Letters to Women book, which comes out on March 9th. That's only a few weeks away, and that feels so crazy to say. Pre-orders help authors immensely by letting the publisher know that you are interested in books about the feminine genius. And if you've already ordered your copy, thank you, thank you, thank you. This new book is a collection of 30 letters from ordinary women who live vibrant, faithful lives, each inspired by the teachings of Pope St. John Paul II. If you pre-order Letters to Women, you get access to an exclusive Letters to Women podcast mini-series. I'm sitting down with the women who contributed letters to the book and getting to know their stories, the story behind the letter they wrote, and how they live out the feminine genius in their everyday lives. One of the episodes in the mini-series that is absolutely beautiful is my conversation with Beth Willoughby from A Welcome Grace. Her and I dive into the topic of comparison in our friendships with women in our lives, and I think that's a struggle that a lot of us have experienced. That episode is one of many in this mini-series, so head over to the show notes for a link to unlock that mini-series today with your pre-order. You can also head over to my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, for more details. Letters to Women, Embracing the Feminine Genius in Everyday Life. Now, let's dive into this conversation with Mallory. Today, we're welcoming to the podcast, Mallory Smythe. Mallory is the content manager at Walking With Purpose. She previously worked as director of program growth for Endow and as a recruitment manager, development officer, and missionary for Focus. She earned her bachelor's degree in marketing from Louisiana State University. She's spoken at Endow and Focus conferences, including C. Mallory has also been a guest on EWTN and her writing has appeared in Radiant Magazine. She lives in Littleton, Colorado with her family. Mallory, welcome to Letters to Women. It is so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me me, Chloe. And you said that very well. So oh, you can you. start introducing me all the time. <laughs> Just pack me in your suitcase. I can go to all your conferences. <laughs> in today's episode, you and I are going to talk about a brand new book that you've written, which is called Rekindled, How Jesus Called Me Back to the Catholic Church and Set My Heart on Fire, which was published by Ave Maria Press. And we're also going to be tackling some of the tougher topics that Catholic women might be wrestling with these days when they think about the Catholic Church. But before we dive into the book and those topics, can you start by telling me about your story as a Catholic woman and your journey of rediscovering the beauty and the truth of the Catholic Church? Uh, absolutely. So as you mentioned, I graduated from Louisiana State University, and so I'm from South Louisiana. I'm very proud 
to be a Cajun displaced in the United States. Um, but anyway, in South Louisiana, it's very heavily Catholic. And so I grew up, that's really all I knew was Catholic families. Um, my grandparents on both sides were extremely devout and I was raised, um, in that devout environment. And so growing up, I was actually, I was very religious. I was known by my friends as being religious. Um, I knew a, a decent amount about the faith. I, I had a pretty good understanding of what we believed as Catholics for the most part. I went to Catholic school my whole life until college. And and so right even during high school, I would skip out lunch and go to daily mass. So I did have a really good foundation of the faith. Um, but what I always say is that I didn't have an integrated Catholic worldview. I didn't like, like I had God and I had my daily life and they were both important to me, but they didn't necessarily mix or they only mixed on occasion. And so by the time I got to my junior and senior year of high school, and all the temptations that come along with growing up started to really enter into my world. I didn't know how to bring that faith that was important to me into this culture that I was growing up in. So um, I kind of started to fall away from my faith whenever I was in high, late high school. And then in college, I just drifted away. I saw a culture that offered me more. I saw it offered me more fun, more friends, um, you know, more money, you name it, whatever. And I just slowly drifted away from my faith in college and spent um, about three years just just not practicing any faith whatsoever. And then I was about to go out to visit some friends at a bar during summer school. And I just had this moment where I was getting dressed and looked in the mirror and realized how exhausted I was from the lifestyle I was living. And I knew that I had to make a change. Like I knew that I no longer had the self-esteem and the self-confidence that I once had or the self-respect. And I also realized that I was living this life, hoping for happiness, hoping, you know, to find the love of my life or whatever it was, and it wasn't working. And yet I was doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a result that was never going to come. And so I decided to get honest about what I believed at that point and like figure it out. And that really sent me down a path to figure out what the life of an atheist would look like. Because a lot of times the way you live is how you'll believe. And so by that time in my life, I just didn't have any real belief in Jesus. I don't remember thinking, oh, how silly that I once thought that like, Jesus became a baby. Ha <laughs> ha. And so I went out and I bought a book on atheism read it cover to cover with a totally open mind and heart and none of it hit me like no, I didn't fit into any of the categories and like as somebody who's not that smart like I was I'm at a state school right I'm not like at an Ivy League I could pick apart those arguments pretty easily and that actually led me to this moment of humility when I just said you know what every people group throughout history has called to a creator, something beyond the physical. And I don't know why I would think that I'm sitting here at the age of 21, having figured it out. So I just kind of made this leap of faith and I said, God, I'm jumping back on your team and I, you know, prove yourself to me. And that year uh, he did, he proved himself to me beyond a shadow of a doubt. He sent um, a young woman into my life who taught me who Jesus was, who taught me how to pray, who taught me how to read scripture. I started going to her church, which was a trendy non-denominational church on uh, LSU's campus and really had my world rocked. I just fell head over heels in love with Jesus, uh, fell in love with the Bible, fell in love with the idea of, of going on mission and, and bringing this message that had so like 
brought my heart to rest and my heart alive and into joy to as many people as, you know, we can get the message to. And so I really just dove into that culture and in the process got really bitter towards the Catholic church. Uh, just like, how, how have I been raised in this faith? And I've never had my heart captured like this. People don't talk about the Bible. They don't read the scriptures like this. They don't talk about Jesus like this, like all these things. And so really uh, the seed of bitterness really sowed itself into me. And then um, I kind of quit going to the Catholic church for a while, a few years, um, and was very involved in the Protestant church. And then fast forward a couple of years, I was um, living in Florida for my first real job out of college. And just had this like this burden, I would say on my heart that um, if I'm gonna leave the church for good, then I need to figure out what I'm leaving. And that led me to adoration one night out of the blue. I, I wasn't active in the Catholic church at all, but I knew that there was a church close to my house that had adoration. And so I went and in the car that night, like after adoration, a very powerful prayer experience for me, I just said, Lord, I want to be effective for you. So where do you want me? Like, I can't do both. Like he's like, you won't be effective if you're doing both. And so where do you want me? And it was the most audible I'd ever heard him. He said, I have raised you in this faith. Many of my people do not know me. And so why are you looking for another mission field? And it was like, I mean, it was in that split second. I was like, okay, <laughs> like I'm Catholic. I'm in. Um, I'm obedient to you. That's it. And, and I, and I did, I like gave myself back to the Catholic church. I, I, was still kept my Protestant friends, but I wasn't involved in the church anymore and still had that bitterness though. Like still had um, all these questions circling and all this bitterness and definitely a lot of pride on my part um, of thinking that I'm better than these people in the pews. And then just one by one, I had to ask the questions. And so I started, uh, I always say I Googled myself into love of the Catholic church. I just started asking these questions like, what do we believe about this? What do we believe about predestination? What do we believe about sexuality? Like, what do we actually believe about these things? And the more that I researched, the more I was even like, it was everything I loved about the Protestant church, but more and better and more full and more honest. And I had just never found anything so full and comprehensive before. And so I would say probably over, after coming back really over two years, just fell deeply, deeply in love with the church. So there's my long answer to your question. <laughs> I loved getting to hear you tell your story. You share a lot of this in your new book as well, but I just absolutely love that your story is a series of conversions. And I, I love the part where you talk about how when you came back into the Catholic church after hearing God very audibly inviting you back in, but there was still that bitterness and still this need for knowing answers and how it wasn't just, okay, like I'm yours. And then everything is resolved and glorious and, and perfect. And it looks pretty on paper. It's just that it was, it's a continual experience and absolutely love that. Yeah. That, that it's a process of, of conversion and reversion. And then coupled with God's faithfulness throughout your being raised Catholic and your journey to and from the church is just absolutely beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. So I first encountered you through your new book, which is called Rekindled, How Jesus Called Me Back to the Catholic Church and Set My Heart on Fire. And in the book, you write about issues that a lot of Catholics are honestly wrestling with within the church. Things like unpracticed preaching, 
hypocritical hierarchies, the church's teachings on human sexuality, this idea of, of sainthood and how that looks in comparison to the, the way that the world is offering us. What inspired you to focus on problems plaguing the church today and approach them with, I think, really beautifully, both a sense of hope and a sense of humor within this book? Well, I can't, it really came from my own experience of, so after I, I mean, really, I was just on fire and I kept thinking and going over my own upbringing, which again was, was good. I mean, I would sit with students in uh, Bible study when I was a focused missionary and I would be in awe of how little they knew. <laughs> like, I mean, crazy. And even, uh, I think I actually write about this in the book. We walked into St. John Lateran's in Italy, which is one of the, uh, which is like kind of the old Vatican. And I was with my brother-in-law and I said, oh, oh, like they have the head of St. Paul and St. Peter here. And he goes, St. Paul, he, he's important to us, right? And I'm like, you went to, like, you went to Catholic school. And so anyway, what I kind of came to over my experiences of, of these conversations and like sitting with so many fallen away Catholics um, on airplanes, meeting them. I remember meeting one who was asking me to give money to feed the children on the streets of Austin. And like, I knew, I could just know, I knew by looking at him, I could just tell. And we had this conversation about it. And um, and and they tell me why they left, and there's such valid reasons, right? And 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 what I think the reason that I wanted to focus on that is because what I wanted, what I want to say to every person who's left the church is like, you're not alone. It, it's not a one-off. It's not like all these people who are going to mass who are faithful have not had the same frustrations and experiences you have. And I think as a millennial, there are some very universal, common mediocre and bad experiences and things to wrestle with. Like we are, we're not living up to what the call of the gospel is in many ways. Um, and I've experienced that too. The difference is that I have been frustrated with those things, but that um, I have found the treasure that lies beneath. And so what I wanted to say is you are correct. Like you have experienced these things. They were not good. <laughs> they need to change. Some of them are external. Some of them are internal. Some of them are your own sin holding you back. But here is the hope. Like here is the humor. We can laugh at some of these things. Some of these things we can cry over. Um, but, but God didn't make it to be that way. He gave us these perfect and beautiful and deep and mysterious teachings to capture our heart and lead us closer to him. And those have not changed. They are still there and they are still waiting to be experienced. And so if you know what the mass is and you know the beauty of worship and the call that it is, then you can handle a worship service that's not so great. Like God can. God will allow himself to be worshiped that way. And so really that that's why I wrote it. I wrote it because I wanted to say you're not alone. These are these are valid experiences and reasons and there's more. And and this is why I'm still here. That's so good. I think too when when you think about sharing our faith with evangelization and sitting down with people who've fallen away from the Catholic Church, if the woman who's listening is, a, is in that position, I think it's such a powerful place to start to be able to find that common ground of, of being, like you said, like you're right and you're not alone. These <laughs> things that we're struggling with as a church, it, we're not making excuses for them or pushing them to the corner or pretending that they don't exist. We as Catholics need to take a deeper look at that as well. And so I think that's such a phenomenal starting spot. And it's just really beautiful to read through, I mean, just the table of contents in your new book and be able to see 
every single one of those hard questions that comes to mind <laughs> what that has either come up in conversation with friends or with fallen away catholics which like you said it's a very very common experience to to meet someone who was raised catholic or i used to be catholic or things like that so i think it's absolutely beautiful place to start and to really dive deep into something that i think for for quite a while has been kind of the elephant in the room when it comes to catholicism mm-hmm. and conversations about about our faith so i just fantastic way to to start out the book and to structure it's really beautiful we've been talking about this a little bit but you served as a focused missionary at university of tennessee and texas state university and in the book you share about your experience about sharing the gospel on college campuses and encountering a lot of young adults who'd been told things like oh that's a mystery or you just have to have faith in response to these hard questions that they brought up about the faith how do you think a lack of really robust catechesis has impacted the Catholic Church? And what can we do as Catholic women today to grow in, I love what you call the whys behind the what of our faith? Well, I think the first thing is that it just undersells what we have, right? If you have millions of people who are walking, you know, darkening the doors of a church and have no clue what they believe, then they can't be captivated by it. Like, um, I always say, like, if you don't know God, you can't trust him and you can't love him. And so you can't obey him in a certain sense. There's actually um, in uh, Exodus when Moses goes to Pharaoh and he asks to let his people, you know, the Lord has asked that you like, let us go worship in the desert. He says, who is the Lord that I should listen to him? And that's a that's a paraphrase. So for anyone who's like checking me, (laughs) but. But but I, I was always so struck by that, how Pharaoh was like, who is the Lord that I should listen to him? And so you have all these people raised in the Catholic Church who don't know about the faith. And now it's, we're about, about three generations, maybe more, of people who like, yeah, we have these teachings that have been covered up for so many years. And so you're really underselling these truths that could really help in guarding us against the lies of culture. So I think that's the first thing. Uh, and, and I think it's, and whenever, you know, these teachers and catechists, uh, how do you call them, catechists have said like, oh, it's a mystery, just have faith. I want to be gentle towards them that they didn't know, <laughs> like they weren't taught either. And, and in a sense, that's a, that's a true answer. Like it is a mystery. We should have faith. But I think what's the important part, and I think about this with the Trinity a lot, is that it is a mystery. If I think about the Trinity for more than five minutes, I really do feel like my head's going to explode trying to figure it out. But there are explanations of it that can get me to the point of faith, that can get me to the point of awe and wonder. And it's not just a priest standing up saying like, oh, I hope I don't commit heresy. <laughs> like it's, no, like it's explained in the catechism of this like perfect exchange of love between Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and how, you know, the father pours out love on the son who returned it to the father. And out of that is born this perfect person of love, which is the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that doesn't take very long, but you're like, oh, I could see that. Like three persons, one nature, we can have those conversations. And then you get to the point where you say, I can go no further. You know, and so I think that's the first thing is that the more we know, the more we can be captivated and fall in love and get to the point of mystery and faith. Um, and, and I think the other part about like, how can we as Catholics grow to know the whys behind the what? Um, I think, well, first of all, we have so many good resources now. I mean, just get on Instagram, get on Google, you know, Catholic Answers, Scott Hahn, Walking with Purpose where I work, Focus. I mean, we've really flooded the market with answers 
to the questions. And so I think if you're not getting them at your church, if somebody if if somebody gives you an unsatisfactory answer, then I would say like you have everything you need. You can go look it up on YouTube. You can go look it up online. It's there. And then and then you you should take it upon yourself to do the reading. Like if it's something you really care about. Um, and then the other part of it is so I think that's a personal thing. Um, I think, yeah, in our schools and in our churches, we have to get really good at at diving into the heart of faith and why we believe what we believe. That's so true. Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to doing research on things that we think of as in our everyday life, like buying a new car or fixing something around the Mm -hmm. house, how many hours and hours that I spend on YouTube or in forums or on just various sites trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing, if that is able to be channeled into a discovery of Catholicism and my faith. You're right. There is not a shortage of incredible resources. Like One of the ones that comes to mind right now that's bearing a lot of fruit in my life is Father Mike Schmitz's Bible in a Year podcast. That's mm-hmm. incredible. And then that's one of, like, that's not even scratching the surface of the wealth of knowledge that's out there. And so I think you're right. We live in a really privileged time in, in that we just have to click on our phones to find some really incredible answers at really at the touch of our fingers. In a chapter of your book called Facing a Hypocritical Hierarchy, you have this quote where you write, in the midst of hearing about abuse scandals, I told my husband that I wished I could leave the Catholic Church. It feels as if the Catholic Church doesn't deserve my loyalty when there are wolves disguised as shepherds who are making it difficult for all of the faithful men and women hearts on fire to bring about revival. And I loved that quote because I think it is you're speaking and putting words to the hearts and feelings of many women who are listening um, in and about a topic that really comes up very quickly these days when talking about Catholicism with friends and family and total strangers. How do we hold on to hope when it comes to encountering a very raw, real, in many ways, irreversible pain within the church And what does fighting for revival and renewal within the church look like for Catholic women who are listening today? Um, There's a story that uh, a former coworker of mine told me whenever the Pittsburgh report came out a couple years ago. And uh, she was sitting with the Mother Superior of the Sisters of Life, and they were kind of just talking about it. And I guess in the middle of it, the sister stopped and just looked at the crucifix. And she said, I'm just so happy I know because he doesn't have to suffer alone. (sighs) Which is, uh, I know, so like it just breaks you apart. Um, and I think, I mean, it is something I struggle with because I feel like um, in many ways, there are people in the church who do not believe the truth of the gospel who are taking advantage of those who do. And it is very frustrating. And um, I have not experienced anything personally. And so I can't even imagine for those who have like the hurt um and the pain and the healing and like everything that has to go into that whenever the face of the, who is supposed to be the face of God has betrayed you in such a deep and personal way. Um, I think the hope comes with that looking at the crucifix with, like, and that's what I think about. Like I, I did tell my husband that, which is why I wrote about it. But um, there, I mean, the reason I stay is because I do believe that this church is the fullness of truth. And, and, and more than that, I believe that Jesus is the king of the universe. I believe that he is the center of history, that he is the point, that he is the answer to the questions. And I have found nothing that tells me otherwise. And if he created this church, then in this church, I will stay. And, and I think that we have to find hope in going to him um, and, and, and recognizing that this is not just a betrayal against us. It's really a betrayal against him. It's, 
a betrayal from Satan to the maker of the universe, the one he's hated so much, and we are collateral damage. Um, and like, and he is the one who's going to, who will speak words of comfort to us. He will still bring us to life. Um, the teachings that he has left us will still bring us to life. And there's no human that can change that. And so that, that's part of it for me. Like, um, the, 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 well, we have trust issues, maybe, you know, are, like, are the, the, do these things have very real, tangible consequences? Absolutely. And we should be broken up about them. Um, but I think first going to him, going to him in prayer, sitting with him, not letting him suffer alone, uniting our sufferings to him, and then allowing it to build that fire in us even more. Like if, if the devil hates humanity this much, then why would I give him any of my life? I should give all of it to the Lord. Like my desire for sainthood should be even greater. And my desire to bring as many people with me should be even greater because I've seen the havoc that the devil can cause. Like he's not just trying to like invite you to a party. He's trying to destroy your soul. And he's also trying to destroy the soul of the Catholic church and the Christian church in general, like the church at large, mother church. Um, and so I think for us, what does fighting for revival and renewal look like? I think first it's got to be in our own hearts and our own souls. Like where is that darkness that we're hiding from the Lord? Where is that shame that we're living in? How can we let him in? How can we shine the light? How can we get the counseling that we need? How can we be going to confession when we need to? How can we be trying to grasp onto that joy? Um, there's a Protestant pastor who I love, uh, Christine Kane, and she always talks about how Christians don't like to be healed. <laughs> so we're just like, oh, I'm so miserable and I'm so sad and I just really believe in Jesus and don't you want to come over here and be a Christian, you know, versus like showing like the joy of the Christian life. That And it's not that it's easy. It's heroic. Um, and then and then being bold enough to share it. And I think we do start sharing it by asking good questions and sharing our own experience. That's beautiful. I think it speaks so beautifully into the both andness of existing in the reality that is a church that has been broken by scandal in the past recent years and also realizing that if the change can start not only in our own hearts, but in our own communities and in our own lives. And that's just such a, that's a very empowering way to look at it because it's easy to sit with those abuse scandals and, and mourn and we need to, they deserve to be mourned. Mm -hmm. And, but I think then to be able to have this desire to move and to be moved to action and to be moved to revival because of those is just such a beautiful combination of looking at those situations. Mm -hmm. We are just scratching the surface of just a small sliver of these chapters, but I'd love to dive into one more with you before we end our time together. And I loved the chapter that you wrote on the Catholic Church's teachings on human sexuality. How has St. Pope John Paul II, who is an absolute favorite of mine and his writings on human sexuality impacted your story as a Catholic woman. And if there's a listener who is thinking like, okay, you're getting to the topic that I struggle with, that I wrestle with, which is the Catholic church's teachings on human sexuality. What, what advice would you give her? Oh man. So, uh, so this is sexuality is actually not one of the number one reasons people leave the church um, in any Christian church, not just the Catholic church. They want to do their own thing sexually and the church disagrees with it. And so they're gone. Uh, for me, um, so I, what, what's it called? Uh, Theology of the Body. There it is. I read Theology of the Body <laughs> um, after I had had this big conversion. And really, um, the whenever I was really diving into like my own sexual wounds or just watching the world. And, and by the way, for everyone listening, if you watch people 
like the, there's wisdom. The Lord will offer you wisdom if you look for the consequences of sin and the consequences of righteous living. Um, I do that quite a bit. And what I noticed uh, was that when I was younger, I felt like, oh, we had learned all these things about sexuality. And it's like, you do, you break the rules, then you're going to be miserable. And like, you're never going to get anywhere. You're just going to be totally scarred. And then I didn't see that. Like, I, that's not what I saw. I saw people who were like really happy and they got their boyfriend and blah, blah, blah. And then whenever I really started to like be diving into scripture and be praying, what I actually saw was something different. There's something under the surface there. And what I saw was that um, I actually don't know one woman who has sexual experiences outside of marriage where it makes her self-esteem higher, where it makes her relationship better. Um, and, and it actually like adds to her life. I think that women can get married and be happy despite it, like, but I don't think it adds to it. And I definitely have sat with very many women, including myself, who like your self-esteem just plummets. Um, and, and you might not recognize that connection, but it's there. So I was already kind of on this journey. And then I remember reading Theology of the Body and seeing the holistic approach to love that uh, John Paul II puts forth. And that, and of course, you know, he writes love and responsibility and how there is this great responsibility with it. And it's responsible because it's powerful. And it reflects, like the, the sexual embrace reflects intimacy with the father so deeply and again it's like another one of those things that the devil can just distort and twist and make it seem unintimate and so when i read it what i saw was truth and when you see truth you can't unsee truth and so that was a really big thing for me that i actually want to live my life in freedom and that freedom requires self-control and um i think pope john paul ii says uh like we, uh, there's two different types of freedom, freedom from and freedom for. And like, we, we want to be free for something. We live in a culture that wants to be, be, be free from everything, but that's impossible. You're free from something so that you can be free for something else. And so I wanted to be free for my family, free for my future husband, um, and all, and, and anything that goes into the entire umbrella of sexuality. Like I just wanted to be free. And what I noticed was that when I was living out these teachings, um, and I actually said this to my roommate at the time, who was pretty promiscuous, this is when I was in my early 20s, she, and she, did, she wasn't um, religious at all, um, became a dear, dear friend, I love her very, very much, but I remember she and I were having a conversation, and she said, you know, I said to her, you know, when I look in the mirror, I like myself, and that, like, might be the first time in a long time. Um, and so really, I, I think it brought my self-esteem back and it brought like my desire, my love for truth and like wanting to reach for that truth, even if it was hard. Um, and I would say to like the woman listening, I mean, sexuality is it's hard in the sense that um, I think that we're raised in a culture that tells us the exact opposite of our faith. <laughs> like it's, there's no compatibility whatsoever. And what I would encourage you to do is um, first be gentle with yourself. Number one, like we live in this culture, like fish live in water and we do need to, to recognize that. And we need to um, like see how that has affected us. Number two, I would ask you like your choices, however your struggling is going, like how's that going for you? How's that affecting your spirit? How's that affecting the way you see yourself? How's that affecting the way you feel like the Lord sees you? 
then I would say that the Lord sees you out of total love. <laughs> like he loves you so much and there's nothing that you can do that can tear you away from his love. And, and for me, knowledge is power. And so this is, this is what worked for me. I did my research and I brought it to prayer and that, that was very helpful for me. The more that I knew and the more that I prayed, the more that I, I was personally like without really a lot of outside counsel able to break some of my own bad habits. But there are some habits that you might need counsel um, and accountability to break. Your book, Rekindled, continues to dive into this conversation, continues to dive into, I think, really beautifully, a conversation for a huge range of different places and seasons for people to be in, whether they are one foot out the door of the Catholic Church, whether they are looking for guidance when it comes to those conversations with people that they encounter who are thinking about leaving the church or who have already left the church. And I'm just, we're just not going to do it justice in the, in the time we have together. Where can listeners find a copy of Rekindled, How Jesus Called Me Back to the Catholic Church and Set My Heart on Fire? Um, you can go get it on Amazon or you can go to AveMariaPress.com and buy it there. Either one, whichever's easier for you. Wonderful. Mallory, the last question that I ask, which is the same question that I ask every woman who comes on the podcast, is this one. How do you live out the feminine genius, especially as a woman sharing what you've learned about the Catholic Church and why you fell in love with being a Catholic? Well, right now, um, I mean, we're all kind of stuck inside our homes, but I mean, right now, my entire, like my entire life is work and family. I do 20 hours a week with Walking with Purpose as a content manager there. And so um, that's women's Bible studies. And so in my work, I am studying the word and uh, praying for women in women's ministry um, and hope that I do believe women can bring about revival and do bring about revival in their homes and in their workplaces. Um, and then I'm also raising three little women right now. <laughs> so uh, it's a heavily female house here. And uh, what that looks like is I want them to see me as a woman of deep prayer um, I want them to see me holding my Bible. I want them to see me and catch me praying. Um, I want them to see me spending time with them, see me making a home in the best way that I know how, which does not involve very much cooking, <laughs> but it does involve decorating um, and and spending time with them. And so I really like, I, when I think of the feminine genius, I think of, for me right now in my life, that means how am I raising the next generation of women? Um, and what I want them to see is that you can have, like, as a, you can be somebody who supports their husband, who, uh, you know, is very family oriented, um, and still have things that, like, send you towards um, your passions that you want to work towards as well. And so that's kind of what we've been doing here at my house. That's so beautiful. I love it. I That's just absolutely wonderful, especially as the mom to daughters to be able to hear that and have you put words to that is absolutely beautiful so thank you thanks so much for coming on the show for sharing your story of reversion absolutely beautiful for rekindled and fantastic resource this has just been a joy thanks so much for your time oh thank you glowy Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Head over to letterstowomenpodcast.com to check out this week's show notes. Or if you're listening in your podcast player, just scroll down to browse through links to find Mallory online and where to order her new book, Rekindled, which is published by Ave Maria Press. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss a single new episode. And if you're an Apple user, it would be really appreciated if you left Letters to Women a quick review and let me know how I'm doing and to tell other Catholic women about why you like the show. 
follow along with the podcast and hear the latest book news over at the new Instagram account for the podcast at letters to women underscore podcast. Starting this Tuesday, February 2nd, if you're listening on the day that this episode is released, the women who contributed a letter to the new Letters to Women book are taking over the Letters to Women Instagram account and stories and giving you a peek into their daily lives and sharing more about their experience with the feminine genius. So make sure you click follow so you don't miss those Takeover Tuesdays. I am so excited for them. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I absolutely love getting to share conversations like this one with you. So until next time, be not afraid. 